Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, Dominic Maher left his native Tipperary in the mid-80s to live in the US, but his travelling didn't stop there. After he was laid off from his job in the financial crash of 2008, he decided to travel, the eventual aim being to visit every country in the world. In between returning to employment and having kids, he's managed to do it. Afternoon, Dominic. Good afternoon. Uh, Did you kind of have a list of countries to, 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 to visit? And not all countries are technically countries. Did you include those too? No, those those I keep separate as as unrecognized countries um, of the United Nations. So I, I um, uh, I've been to those as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and so did, did you when you started doing this? Did you kind of have a map of the world and you were going to take a particular route? Did you plan it out? And in, in uh, there's an, an element of planning because you have to uh, try and hit this you know south of the equator in their best weather. You know, and uh, and then there's uh, an itinerary of how to get visas and. Um, there's there's research involved, yeah. Yeah, uh, and the, the, so what what parts did you do first? Um, I started in South Africa and worked my way up to Kenya, um, and then I got back. I thought the the financial crisis, or sorry, the I suppose the real estate crisis would have uh, sort of petered out at that time, and and then uh, at that time it was um, you know hit south of the equator, so it was Australia, and worked my way back up through Asia. Mm. And the, uh, were many countries, did you have a criteria also for how long you had to stay in each country for it to, uh, no. for it to be an actual visit? Oh, and that depends on the size of the country and also what, what there is to see. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not just jump off a plane and get a stamp and jump back on a plane. Yes, right. Okay. That was not, uh, no, that, that's not, that's not real. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, and so the, the, how many countries, I assume there were many countries where it was quite dangerous to go to for various reasons. Yeah, but your show's not long enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's been quite a few dangerous countries out yeah. there. Yeah. Now, and how many times have you been arrested? Uh, I've been arrested and imprisoned uh, uh, maybe 10, 15 times. Wow. Okay. And and what were the grounds? You, now, you have an Irish passport and, and an American passport. Did you right. bring the two of those with you at all times? Yeah, and in certain instances, that gets you in trouble. Yeah, I would imagine so. And because people might think you were trying to hide something. Uh, I've been interrogated in prison as being a US spy. Yeah. And, and tortured a bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so have there been occasions when, say, the State Department has had a kind of rescue you yeah the state the u.s state department has uh, rescued me twice yeah uh, from what countries uh the first one was um uh the Comora islands most most people don't know where that is it's a it's a series of little islands that's just north of madagascar and then um then i was uh held for about a week in a prison cell in the congo yeah and and in in the Comora Islands, did they think? And I know in, in in the Congo they thought you might be a spy. In the Comora Islands, did they think the same thing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and what eventually? How do you eventually get out of those situations? Um, uh, well, I, they, in the Comora Islands, they eventually let me out of the prison and they held me in in a house arrest in a in a um, in a uh, like a little. Um, a little accommodation that I'd booked, and then um, the uh, the security services uh, staked up in the room next door, so I was able to climb out the window, find myself an internet cafe, and make contact with family. Right. Oh, actually, physically escape then. Uh, yeah. Really. Yeah. 
And how many countries have you? I'm... And in the Congo, it was the 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 other prisoners in the cell. Um, they uh, they bribed guards, and mm. we got um, they they were able to get a cell phone in after a week. And so we about one thirty in the morning, we we contacted the U.S. embassy. Yeah, and and they were able to come down and negotiate uh, for your release. Uh, I assume the uh, and and your experience in Iran, and and I've heard this for, before from people who might have travelled to Iran and are expecting it that the tone of the place is quite different to one might expect. It's quite a friendly place. It's an extraordinarily um, it's an extraordinary people, quite 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 um, not what you expect. You know, and you hear in the media and uh, highly highly educated people. Um, extraordinarily, extraordinarily civil and um, a wonderful place to, to to travel. Yeah, and and people weren't suspicious uh, of you because you were a foreigner, or were they? Um, <laughs> um, when I when I arrived at the border and I, uh, you know, I hid my American passport because if they had found that, I definitely was going to prison. Um, so I went in on my Irish passport. Um, and this was in a tiny, tiny little border crossing um, up in uh, Haji Oman, crossing from Iraq into Iran. And uh, it's called a little town called Pirinshar, um, a very remote crossing. And um, when I walked across the border uh, to De- No Man's Land, um, I was greeted with as royalty, as being hmm. Irish. Right. They they were, they, you know, the the... The road in front of the British Embassy is called uh, Bobby Sands Road, yes. um, and yeah. they knew all the soccer players from Ireland, and they were, again, that was one of those shocks. It's like they were highly, highly uh, aware of Ireland and mm. had extraordinarily positive things to say. So uh, so then, I, I, I take it from what you just said there, you, you had to travel some distance through Iraq to get to Iran. Yes. Uh, and in, in in going in a place like Iraq, did you need kind of a minder to go with you, or were you just going by yourself? No, I had I had a little experience there. Uh, I was traveling down to Kirkuk, and I went into Erbil, and I got down to Kirkuk, and I'm sitting on a bus to go to um, uh, another town. And this little kid walks off the street, and he walks up onto the bus, and he hands me a cell phone, and uh, it's open, you know, one of those flip phones. And I'm thinking, what the hell is this about? Get away from me! You're looking for something, and he insisted. And so uh, I eventually listened to the phone and um, there's a, an American voice that says, you know, who am I speaking with? And I said, well, <laughs> who the hell are you? <laughs> and his response was, well, I'm General something, James Frank of the United States Army. Please get off that bus. And, uh, and then they, they said, there's two soldiers outside that bus. They'll walk you to me. So I was walked down through the uh, cook and uh, back into this very, very, very highly um, secured um, military base. And I was advised to leave immediately. But they had told me that you're actually on the front line. <laughs> and you <laughs> Which didn't know. I did not know. No. Wow. You were also uh, in Afghanistan. When, when were you in Afghanistan? Um, I was in Afghanistan. I, I don't quite recall the year, but I had gone into Afghanistan from Tajik... Uh, 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 from uh, it's, uh, Kyrgyzstan, yeah, and uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was not um, uh, that was not uh, a place to hang around. That was an extraordinarily uh, dangerous place to be. Yeah, well, what what did you experience personally in terms? Not of nothing quite yeah. there, but it was don't don't stay here. Get get out. 
Right. Okay. So, did, I mean, did you get did, like? Did you travel much then within no, the country, or you kind no, of got I, across I, I, the border? I, I, I was encouraged by locals to travel, <laughs> but uh, no, that that was just not something that you would do. Yeah. My word. How often then were you scared? Because you know, you've, I live it in sounds New York. like you've I'm been scared. in New York. New York is. <laughs> hang on. I like like New York. You can wander around New York at three o'clock in the morning. Try doing that in yeah, Dublin, right? Uh, uh, and, and not feeling scared. Okay. Uh, um, the, so uh, that's you know quite uh, benign compared to some of the places you've been. Yeah, I would have thought. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when did you finish this? Work? I finished it uh, maybe a couple of months ago. The last country I was trying to get to was um, uh, was Libya uh, for for, some, for various reasons. I was over the years I was not able to get there because of Gaddafi and various other things, and so that took me a little while because um, COVID. Well, obviously there's a civil war going on there, and so there's no functioning government that can can give you a visa um, because it's basically effectively two governments even still there and. Um, the other part of that was then they shut the country down for two years for COVID. So it, it was it's taken me a little while to get to that last that last jigsaw piece in mm. the puzzle. And now that you've completed it and you've, I feel like, I suppose, come to a halt, mm. does that feel a little strange to you? Or are you going to start doing it all over again? If somebody had, you know, had sort of presented this excursion to me at the start, I would never have done it. Really? Yeah. This is just bloody mindedness made you complete it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I admire your determination. Uh, but it, I, were there places? There must be places that you go. I'm totally going to come back here. Yeah, there, there are some very interesting ones. Um, uh, um, there's the, I, I don't know. It, it depends on your interest. People travel for different reasons and they have different agendas going traveling. Some people like to go to the most famous um <laughs> You know, scuba diving sites and other people like to climb mountains and, um, mm. other, you know, everybody has their own particular agenda. I would say that mine was very much, I was very interested in history, I was very interested in geography because geography actually determines history. Yeah. And uh, and I'm very interested in, in international politics and all of that was sort of my quest. And uh, so I, I, I have um, I, I have a sort of a... a, a, a you know, after I, so so one of the things that I discovered in in doing this was that in 1945, if you just take that time, that that actual moment of time in 1945, and you said the only country at the end of the Second World War was of any consequence or substance was the United States. You know, mm. England was UK. I say was 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 bankrupt. So was France. So was Russia. So was Germany. They were all wiped out. Japan and everything. And if you and then through the through the and at that time, which was the League of Nations, you probably had something in the order of ninety or a hundred countries. So when you look at that time to now, you say there has evolved or grown or budded about a hundred new countries on the planet that never existed before yeah. nineteen forty-five. And if you take that stopwatch and you say, okay. In 1945, everybody is equal. You're all decimated. And over the course of the next 10 years or so, India got independence and it broke up into seven different countries. And, you know, France gave up its its uh, uh, Indonesian colonies and various other things. And, I know that. and if you look at the country, if you don't sort of stop the clock today in Africa with all their natural resources were given liberties and Kenya was given back and so on and so forth and Uganda and all of those. And if you sort of stop and they had, you know, vast natural wealth that helped, you know, a lot of these um, empire countries to, to evolve. But if you'd stop the clock today and you say the race is over, 
which countries have emerged as the most successful? Mm. And yeah. the, the answer is actually rather shocking. And for instance, Singapore, which has no drinking water, is one of the wealthiest countries per capita in the world. And they have no natural resources. And you, know, you take a country like South Korea and, and um, Taiwan, and you take um, even Japan. I, I, to me, that's just a fascinating topic. It's not about uh, wealth. In, in Ireland, too, it's, it's, you, you, you look at a country and say, why did they advance far more ahead than other countries that have, like the Congo is yeah. just one of the wealthiest countries in the world with natural resources, yeah. and yet they just seem to can't not get out there. So I just find that, it, that that element of history and politics is very, very interesting. Dominic, thanks a million for coming in to speak with us uh, today. That was uh, Dominic Maher. There you are listening to the Moncrief Show on Talk. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.